This episode of African Tech Conversations is brought to you by FreshBooks, the easy-to-use invoicing software designed to help you get organized, save time invoicing, and get paid faster. If that sounds good to you, click through to gofreshbooks.com forward slash tech conversations to activate a 30-day free trial. Maya Hogan Famadou is a consummate eclectic who wears the beautiful complexity of her Nigerian-Swedish-American heritage with pride. Maya is the founder and managing director of Ingressive, a firm dedicated to guiding global capital to African entrepreneurs through a 2,000-member angel database and semi-annual investor tours. Alongside her serious commitment to promoting entrepreneurship in sub-Saharan Africa, Maya takes time out to write for Inc., The Huffington Post, and several other leading publications. She also organizes panels for the likes of South by Southwest, dances hip-hop, and takes long rides on her motorcycle. In this conversation, Maya shares the challenges of building a bulletproof professional reputation within the global VC community and chats about the risks and rewards of building bridges between Silicon Valley and various growth hubs within Africa's tech ecosystem. This is African Tech Conversations. Is that an actual song or are you making up uh, making one up on the fly? I'm absolutely I'm absolutely making this up on the fly. <laughs> I'm sure it's something that I hummed while walking through the 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 forests around in my small town in Minnesota. Um no, actually there's a there's a Brandon um Brandon White, I believe his name is called Home. Um it's a it's spoken word music and I would say that best sums up my childhood. It's about um the frozen winters and and um, bright green summers of of life in the Midwest. Wow, would that be an accurate uh, portrayal of what life was like for you growing up? Um, as far as uh, the geography, yes. Okay, so I've got a scenic picture of the background, paint and everything else, if you don't mind. Okay, so um, so I'm I'm half Nigerian and half Swedish, so I'd say that certainly took or that certainly influenced the. The, my childhood. Um, my dad and all of his brothers moved to the U.S. for higher education from Nigeria. They all married and settled down with um, Swedish women from, from rural Minnesota. And uh, that, our, little, our tribe of Nigerians in, in Minnesota was, was how my childhood was structured. I'd say, I'd say that is the other underlying component. And what percentage of you would you consider Nigerian? Which percentage would you say is Swedish? Hmm. Interesting. I would say, um, I mean, physically 50, 50, I would say in personality, I'm a little bit more on the, um, I would Nigerian side, <laughs> especially in business. And so, uh, you sound American. So where does that feature in, in, in the way you identify? Hmm. Nigerian and Swedish American. Right. right. Mm -hmm. And I, as far as the, as far as the way that I, that I grew up, um, so interesting story. My family stayed in the U.S. until about high school and then returned back to Nigeria. My younger three siblings are growing up there. And so um, it's been an interesting dichotomy, an interesting contrast to grow up um, in, in, with a culture who has, or with a group of people who have come from the continent and then be able to return and uh, kind of, you know, straddle to two completely different worlds. So I, I do relate more with the American side than the Swedish side, but I would say, I mean, now I spend half my year on the continent and my family has returned. So 
um, certainly the Nigerian side is quite prevalent. And which aspects of that would you say uh, feel most uh, of your of your siblings and in, in the way they're being brought up? Which aspect of that would you say feels most foreign to you? Um, I, so <laughs> my siblings are. <laughs> I would say visiting my sis, my sister's campus. I would say that the concept. So I'm. I, I graduated. I went to undergrad at Pomona and, the, and then did the Cornell pre law program. I would say the, the idea that's more most foreign. I mean, in the way that we interact, nothing nothing has changed. I go home and it's like we've never we haven't been apart a day. But um, going to go visit them. They they both. My two younger sisters are going to Unilag, and I would say the constant. Um, <laughs> strikes, time off they have from school, the um, the just infrastructural challenges with going to university uh, domestically in Nigeria. I would say that is the biggest foreign, um, the biggest difference, the thing that is most foreign to me. And I mean, you mentioned Cornell. Um, is the hype around Ivy League schools well deserved? Do you think? Hmm. Uh, I mean, it depends on the field that you pursue next. Are you going into law? Are you going into medicine? Are you going into entrepreneurship? Uh, what difference would it make if, say, I said yes to that question? I say, or I said I'm going into medicine or law, for example. What difference would it make? Yeah, if I, said I that? mean, of course. Um, so, of course, if you were pursuing the legal field, you know, there are what thirty thousand new law- or thirty thousand lawyers that come in, cut up, come out of law school every year, and only a certain percentage of them, of them get jobs. And there's clearly a, a higher percentage um, that become employed from Ivy League schools. So things, they're just practical things like that. But if you're pursuing entrepreneurship, I think there is some merit in um, getting a base level of understanding of the world through education, but then of course getting experience on the field. So if you're pursuing entrepreneurship, if you're pursuing a high demanded field that is highly competitive and only has a few spots, I would say Ivy is more important. But if you're pursuing entrepreneurship, um, I would say going out and, and building yourself, but however you obtain that, that, that critical perspective or that, that critical analysis, the ability to think innovatively with a per, with a, with the idea and the concept of agency, well, however you can create that, it doesn't have to be cultivated in Ivy League, um, then I think it's a bit overrated. Look, I had a conversation with Ben White of VC for Africa the other day, and his organization recently put out research showing that um, many of the more successful uh, tech startups uh, that come uh, that come from the African continent, certainly the, the, one, the most investable ones and the ones that... Uh, uh, succeed at attracting VC interest seem to, uh, you know, seem to have founders who have one higher education and many of them higher educations, um, you know, uh, gained at Ivy league schools. So, you know, which, which begs the question, um, should we all be trying to get into Ivy league schools? <laughs> I don't think that it is because that they, uh, that they went to high, Ivy league schools exclusively. I think that, that part of it is, um, where uh, so in the majority of venture funding that's coming into early stage VCs or that's financing early stage startups is coming from foreign direct investment. And um, people do a lot of um, investors, especially those those from Silicon Valley putting capital into sub-Saharan Africa, those from Europe putting capital into sub-Saharan Africa, do a lot of pattern matching when they're, when they're working with markets that they're not familiar with. And so um, finding people who went to Ivy Leagues is just an easy way to say, I, I recognize this person, here's our certain level of diligence, you know, so because... 
of, of the, you know, so, so, so there's that one component. And the other thing, I, I think that's a reaction. That's an, that's an effect. It's not the fact that they went to Ivy League schools and that they can get funding. It's the fact that they came from families that were allowed, that allowed them to be sent abroad for, high, for higher education. And thus they had the initial capital and the initial resources in order to start their business. Does that make sense? Yes. No, I, I'm, I, we're going to actually get to that because I'm very curious about your tours and the very unique way uh, you, you've taken to introducing uh, you know, potential VC money that could flow into the continent to, to potential, you know, investment targets. That's really interesting to me. And we'll speak about that in a bit. I, I do want to ask um, uh, 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 a Nigerian, Swedish, American, uh, give it, uh, what she wants to say to America, being that this interview will go live on the 4th of July. What do you want to say to America? Happy birthday. Good luck. Um, I encourage you to look in the mirror and <laughs> reflect. <laughs> <laughs> On what? Um, um, and, 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 and I would, um, on, on what, um, I mean, I don't, I don't really need to get into details, but there's a lot of things happening in the U S a lot of, um, double standards being promoted in the media, a lot of, uh, concerning politics. And I think, uh, each one of us needs to reassess our value system and look in the mirror and see how we are either, uh, abiding by it or inadvertently, um, disrupting it <laughs> are you are you being pc right now is this uh, do you feel yes, the need to be yes. politically why why do you feel the need to be politically correct um when you're the front face of any sort of organization and you work with a lot of different people from a lot of different spaces it's it's necessary to be considerate of um how your words can impact all of those different um perspective and current customers clients affiliates and um and also because, um, of course, there are some parts of this chaos that I maybe don't understand, and I don't, I don't want to speak of um, of spaces where I'm not an expert. And politics and um, the current value system of America is something that I'm very confused about. <laughs> right, right. Something tells me I just heard more from the Swedish American side of you. <laughs> Which is fine, which is fine. And, and, and you've got good reason. You've got good reason. So um, I just now I'm just going to grab at some of the things I, I read about you um, and learned about you just uh, getting ready for this interview. You, you write for the Huffington Post. You write, you've, 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 and you've done so for a very long time. How did you start writing for them? And did that begin pre or post the, the, the massive sort of growth they've enjoyed over the last, say, five, uh, what, three or four years? Yeah, uh, post. So I started um, uh, for coming on three, three near coming on four years. Um, I was ghostwriting. I actually started writing for someone else and doing research for someone else. And then I met with Ariana Huffington at a conference and and told her about you know the column. And she's like, oh, I love I love reading about that. Maya, uh, I think it's about time for you to have your own column. I think you need to start writing for yourself. <laughs> and then, um, and then from then on, she gave me, uh, a column and I was writing about once a month. Um, now I need to pick that back up, but yes, I've been, I've been writing for the Huffington Post for some time now. And I'm picking the Huffington Post out of a number of publications, the Business Day Inc., uh, which, um, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty into the Guardian, uh, Bella Niger this day, where does the writing, uh, where does your urge to write and express yourself in that in that way come from? If you think back to maybe being a kid or whatever, 
Yeah, I've I've actually been writing my whole life. I'm uh, I'm I actually I also have a WordPress, and you can see some of my creative writing there. But um, if, if I, I I pursued law, so I worked uh, J P Morgan. Um, before that was, as I mentioned, the Cornell pre-law program, um, all throughout high school, all throughout, um, middle school, I did a lot of writing and a lot of, um, um, a lot of research in the, in the, in the legal space and my interest. So, um, now we're going to go meta, but, uh, I come from one side of humanitarians and my dad's side of, you know, academics and, um, that middle ground. Um, so they're, they're all focused on how to, how to better the world generally with a, with a, with partiality to the African continent. And so my idea of, of, of writing and of policy is that that was the most effective way to promote change, especially in emerging markets, especially in sub-Saharan Africa. And then, um, and then realizing it was actually by empowering the individual through entrepreneurship has, have, has my focus since, um, shifted, but, but writing is a great way. Um, now writing is a good way. So, so no more on the, on the policy and, and advocacy side, but now writing is such a great way to, um, democratize access to your personal learning. So that the, the, in the same vein of how Silicon Valley, there's so much idea sharing. There's so many mentors and advocates and advisors. Uh, if you can write about your personal experience, guaranteed somebody else is, is going through that or will go through that and could benefit from learning from your lessons. So that's why I continue to do it. Okay. Please go ahead and give your WordPress a plug so we can find so our listeners can find it. I think it, it, it's just um, wordpress.com slash maya-horgan. Great. Fantastic. So the, what you just described, the, uh, coming from a, a home where you know, one parent's in human, humanitarian work and the other is an educator, I imagine, uh, would that have been the inspiration for you to study law? And then uh, if, if so, what changed once you, know, once you, you, you got started with that? So you, you obviously took a different direction afterwards. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so that, that, was my, that was my initial... Um, that was, I, I, looking back, reflecting on my childhood, <laughs> I would say that was a, a, a big motivating factor of growing up with, you know, my mom in the, in the military, in the national guard, going off fighting wars, trying, working to defend the country. My aunt, PhD in agriculture sciences, doing a lot of work in Southern Africa to kind of restructure the, um, the, and, and, and solve the food scarcity issues there. And my dad's side, you know, uncle biomedical engineering, um, entrepreneurs on that side, my dad, you know, all in higher education. Um, so growing up with these, with these, with these two sides, those who, you know, commit their life to activist work and those who are more academics and entrepreneurial side and, and growing up in that community. And so from a very young age, um, looking outward and saying, what, how, how will I contribute to the betterment of, humanity how will how will i fix things in the world um and 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 law and the legal space was a an immediate um was immediate interest uh if you can advocate for people um if you can create policies it's it's it, it, that was my focus in in that it comes from the government level and that effective change for the individual and for the economy and the nation comes from the individual um and then the shift came later, came after working at JP Morgan, came, um, um, I actually did a lot of emerging market economic research in undergrad. So led a volunteer trip to Costa Rica, did research in Trinidad, in Southern Africa and Madagascar, studying um, keys to sustainable economic development and, and Western 
nonprofits influence in developing nations and found that, um, so when, um, you have sustainably growing GDP, so when you have growing economies that, that there's a immediate and positive correlation with higher education or high, higher, higher literacy rates, lower infant mortality rates, just higher health of the people, just better lifestyles in general. And that, and that policy and government does not as effectively and as immediately impact those. It's kind of like a repercussion. The more democratized wealth you have, the faster the growing economy, the more, um, the more rights typically the, the individuals have. And so then my focus shifted to how do you promote the growth of economies? Well, it's all in small business generation. It's all in startup generation, particularly in emerging markets. It's all, hey, let's find um, a local inefficiency in our market and create a monetizable solution, or let's create a small business that can employ you know people in our, in our area, wealth generated, higher standards of li- living, et cetera. So my focus then shifted to how do I facilitate and how do I back um, – these people, or how do I back people so they can build businesses, so they can grow economies, so they can have better lives? <laughs> meta, very, very right. meta. But that- Look, I can, I can relate because um, in my previous life, uh, it's not really, it's still part of this life really. Um, in my work as a broadcaster, I became a specialist at you know SMEs and entrepreneurship uh, and did a lot of work in television, writing, producing, uh, presenting in that space. And... Uh, Gradually, a lot of the stories I would I'd be assigned or I would, I'd cover or, or, or chase um, invariably had tech at the heart because you know it's this great enabler, this great multiplier, um, this this great facilitator, and um, it's it suddenly became a theme, and you know that was my you know entree to to, to tech, and it sounds quite similar for you, and as far as uh, a passion for startups really being linked to something you initially had a heart for and probably still do. Yes, yes, yeah. exactly. So uh, back to some re- the, the research that VC for Africa recently put out. Um, uh, some of their findings show that uh, Africa's tech ecosystem has a high percentage of women involved in it as compared to even Silicon Valley. Does, it, mm-hmm. does that surprise you? No, no, actually, no. So as I mentioned, I spent half my, half my year on the continent, half my year in Lagos, half my year in uh, Silicon Valley. And, um, it's actually rejuvenating every time that I return to Nigeria because the, you know, the chairman, the chairperson of first bank, the chairperson of GT bank, the chair, you know, all of these major banks, there's, there's the chair people are women or the, 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 the high level executives are, are female. And, um, and, and I, I believe, I, I don't know the exact number, but I know it's well over half of the small businesses in sub-Saharan Africa are founded by and operating by women. So, um, no, I mean, just from heuristics, from going and seeing, no, um, it's not a surprise. I see it all the time. And that's part of the reason why I, why I enjoy, you know, being home is because I see people who look like me. I see women. I see women of color, of course. <laughs> um, Which begs um, the question, why, why, why you'd imagine, quote unquote, developed economies would be way ahead of us uh, as far as that's concerned? Hmm. Uh, Huh. Oh, is this one yeah, of those? I guess... <laughs> Shall I get Let me think of how I will phrase what this. P- what is the PC response? <laughs> no, listen, yeah, don't yeah, put yeah, yourself yeah. under pressure. But I mean, yeah, is there any, are there no, any you simple think... answers to why we'd be beating out the rest of the world as far as that's concerned? And we're happy to, by the way. Yeah, um, I think it's the um, matriarchal. Um, I mean, the 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 women. The woman is. 
Yeah, I, I don't know how to PC answer that question. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> because um, Africa is the best, and the <laughs> the North American continent or the the North needs to figure stuff out. Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Um, I mean, of course, um, the the STEM industries are are um, adamantly promoted uh, in in Nigeria, in, in, you know, in, in, in these economies, whereas, um, I'm, I'm not sure if it's to the same degree in, in the U S. So then you could say that there's just a, an, an encouragement, especially for people studying abroad to pursue the engineering, the medical, the, you know, STEM industries. Um, I, I'm, I'll um, help you out and just hazard that yeah. part of the issue is maybe, um, while they're, you know, granted in lots of parts of Africa, there are lots of things that from a PC perspective, even someone like me might need to think twice about, say, delving into politics or delving into certain things. If I'm, you know, in the, in certain countries, um, I imagine uh, there are things, though, on the continent that are a lot easier or we're a lot readier to talk about, you know, the the way. America's taken to to Trevor Noah, for example, as this mm-hmm. novelty. Whereas in South Africa, it's like, well, <laughs> we talk mm-hmm. about that stuff all the time, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So I imagine you might have those issues, and perhaps we don't uh, on this end. Hmm. Just a thought. <laughs> Just a thought. Mm-hmm. Now let's talk about Ingressive. You need to tell me why you'd pick a name like that and what it means. <laughs> uh, and then, and then talk about what we started on, what we perhaps touched on at the beginning, um, uh, what you alluded to th- this pretty novel way you've, um, you've engineered to introduce, um, money or v- VC interests, sometimes, uh, uh, angel investors to potential, you know, and, and ease them into, uh, uh, our environment, our ecosystem, and introduce them to the opportunities that are there, and even, in some respects, um, pair them with 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 um, excellent investment targets. Tell me about Ingressive, uh, the name, and what you're trying to achieve. Sure, sure. Okay, so first, um, with the name, where it came from, <laughs> um, an ingress is an entrance point or access way. Ingressive is ever relating to an ingress. So it's just the, the conduit, the access way, the portal to sub-Saharan African-based tech. Um, and where it came from, where it originated, a lot of little things. I mean, I told you about, um, so, so, so two part, really simply, um, as I mentioned, my, my dad moved back to the continent. Um, so seeing him compared to all the rest of his brothers who remained in the U S, uh, building and scaling their businesses and seeing, uh, issues for my dad in and around the, the bureaucracy, bureaucracy of, um, of, of um, owning a business, operating a business, scaling a business in in Nigeria, and um, and then also issues with the bank. You know, if you don't know who's who, you have to make nice with this bank owner in order to get a loan. All the crazy bhala. Um, so seeing that and 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 the challenges and how that impacted his business relative to all of the, um, all of his brothers. And um, so there was a, a, a clearly a need. There was clearly an opportunity to bring capital and that and that advisory that access. And then on the other side. Um, 
just working with uh, people who are interested in expanding to the continent, particularly in Silicon Valley. I mean, people are looking to diversify. The bubble will pop soon. Valuations are crazy. Money is expensive. Um, so, so a lot of investors here who are interested to interested in you know. Um, West and East Africa interested in South Africa tech ecosystems, but how do they enter? Where's the information? There's just a total dearth of information in and around startup opportunities or investment opportunities on the continent. So uh, starting to provide that bridge. And first, there it was a lot of um, a lot of uh, consulting. So people would come. Hey, I'm looking for these sorts of deals. Hey, I have a printing company in um, LA, and I want to expand. I want to enter the Nigerian market by doing an acquisition. You know, just a lot of basic market research to to help. Uh, help people get entry. Uh, and then it, and then it shifted to, um, um, when people were looking at investment opportunities, it was hard to pull the trigger when for uh, typically for investors, they need 10 points of contact with the opportunity. One can be an article they read online. One can be a contact, a comfort conversation by phone with the founder. One can be a referral through somebody in their network, et cetera, et cetera. But one of those touch points has to be in person. And so, um, with these, with the, this consulting and the showcasing of, 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 deals, it was hard for people to pull the trigger when they, when they haven't been to the continent, when they don't really understand context, when they don't really understand how effective they'll be as mentors and advisors if they're if they're not um if they don't really understand the nuances and they don't have the connections locally to support their investment opportunity. So the, the purpose of Tour of Tech, the reason that we start that we launched these um these cross-border international tours to Lagos, to Nairobi, um is uh, one to, to facilitate investment. So people are, are meeting these people talking by line or talking online. It's an opportunity for the investors to come to see the entrepreneurs working 3 a.m. in their in their back office on a Tuesday night, understanding their operation, understanding what they're building. Secondly, it provides all of the you know all of the ecosystem. So uh, we do you know in, invitation private dinners with ministry, with African leaders, with local venture partners. So so say there's a problem with the startup and and the and the, whoever the investor is is back in their Silicon Valley office. They know who to call when there's a problem. They know, they know, you know, how to navigate these problems from spending some time in, in the local markets. Does that make sense? It does. It does. And so how do you build a model around that? Um, how, how do you, and how, and, 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 and where's the, where's the pressure to provide value? Is it on the startups you're introducing to these chaps or to these individuals from abroad, or is it for the investors to, to basically drop some cash before they climb on a plane and, <laughs> and fly back. Like yeah, who, yeah. Who's the most need? Who's most needy for the work <laughs> you do to deliver a result? Yeah. So the mission, the mission is to help grow uh, startup ecosystems in sub-Saharan Africa or in West, East, and Southern Africa. That that is the mission. But our clients, the consumers, the people that we're actually providing value to, are are the investors or the organizations that want access to these markets. And so, typically, what do you do? Do you get a, a, a share of the deals they do? They 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 they're up for, or what's the model of of the actual business you run? Yes. Yeah, so um, interestingly, uh, sponsors both in the U.S. and Sub-Saharan Africa, um, West Africa, uh, are very excited to uh, market to both investors or financers looking to enter the market and to um, the convening groups of, of tech-focused founders. So um, banks, local banks who want to hold investors' escrow accounts, um, uh, local uh, later stage startups who want exclusive pitching to some of these visitors, um, or foreign, even 
even foreign funds that want to market to or don't have a presence in in these local ecosystems and want to market they sponsor um also people pay to come on the tour it's for a curated week um and so that's in the short term. Uh, the longer term, we're launching a technology platform that allows uh, us to monitor investment into and growth of Africa-based businesses. It'll fu- function some, something like you could say a pitch book for Africa. Right, right. And what would it take for you to comfortably start to dabble in, in investing yourself? Actually, we are. So that's a that's a side note. So we do do syndicates right now. Um, uh, Hello Tractor is 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 currently one of our is uh, we're closing that up finally. We're closing up that deal right now, and, and two of our tour of tech participants are participating in this round. Um, so yes, we are starting to do um, small scale investments, and uh, there's something exciting happening end of year that will be on that note as well. Oh. Exciting. We'll be looking out for that. Now, give me a sense of the vibe at Silicon Valley. You're speaking to someone who's never been, um, but also many of our listeners have never been. But interestingly, though, um, our biggest audience, audience outside of, um, outside of uh, our biggest overseas audience for uh, this podcast and certainly the African Tech Roundup podcast, which I, 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 I produce also, um, is the U.S. So, so there, there's certainly an appetite for understanding what's going on on the continent. But give me a sense of uh, the vibe, uh, being on the ground in the valley, and the level of competition for deals and, and deal flow and and access to to to, to the right people <laughs> to make the right yeah. deals. Give me a sense of that. I mean, we watch the show. Uh, <laughs> and we, yeah, we yeah, have yeah. to we have to believe that it isn't quite that way <laughs> well i'll give you i'll give you one example of 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 silicon valley relative to silicon sahara or or you know um of legos tech um yes. so um we led this last tour in or we, we led a tour to legos in, in september of last year and um and one of the one of the traveling uh, investors who came along with us actually started crying at one of the pitch competitions. And, um, after, you know, we went aside and they said, what, what's happening? What is, where is this coming from? And she said, I didn't, I just, I didn't realize the hustle and the ingenuity. I didn't realize going to the continent, people would be not only as smart as everyone that we have here in Silicon Valley, but hustling five times as hard. And so, um, if you're an, if you're a founder building a company on the continent, you, you have, incomparable, incomparable barriers to entry, um, hurdles, inefficiencies, challenges, just, you know, to get, especially in Nigeria, to get from your office to the next meeting, even the transport time is just, just ridiculous, crazy barriers that, that people in Silicon Valley will never even fathom. Um, so I, I, I want to commend people who are able to successfully build companies, especially tech companies on the continent, um, with Wi-Fi costs, with energy costs, with transportation, with all of these craziness. Um, so that, yeah, that's, that's one thing in, in, in comparing the two markets. Um, as far as Silicon Valley, what it's like on the day-to-day, uh, it's, it's the, the, the biggest differentiator is that everyone is warm to and willing to and immediately available to provide introductions to connect you where you need to go. Of course, everyone has an, an idea. You go, oh, I'm building the, the Twitter for cats, the you know AI 
drone, blah, 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 blah. All, Virtual you know, reality. All, yeah, VR, high tech, SaaS based enterprise pod. You yada, know, yada, just, yada. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that lingo, that dialogue, I'm used to it. I'm, 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 um, I don't even realize I'm numb to it these days, but so that, that of course, that concentration of, of, of everyone, um, of everyone building and creating, but there are two other things here that aren't really, uh, aren't as, aren't as prevalent on, um, elsewhere. And one is, um, the innovation thinking. So everyone, when they're, everyone is constantly walking around sniffing for a problem that they have, that, that other people are coming to, because that's where, that's the crux of entrepreneurship. That's the crux of scalable business is I have this problem and my friend has this problem and his friend has this problem. And there's gotta be at least 10,000 people in the city alone. And maybe, you know, 5 million, 50 million, a billion people in the world who share this same problem. So it's just, it's people going around with the idea that they're, here's a local problem and I have the skills and the resources to create the solution. And there are people with lots of money sniffing around them trying to find who has the best one. So, um, I mean, of, of course it can get crazy. Of course it's like, did you seriously just fund that person who, who's, y- 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 there's a lot of free flowing capital I'll leave it at that. Um, but, but it's, it's, it's a very inspirational. It's a very exciting place because everyone who comes here leaves with a sense of, I can do that. I can do it because other people are doing it. And, and also because anyone can do it because anyone with a good idea and, 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 and passion and the drive and the dedication can create a solution that impacts a lot of other people. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I recently had conversations with, uh, the head of, uh, the, uh, investment banking at Barclays. And then I also had a, a conversation with, um, the MD for sub-Saharan Africa at BT and I put to them, you know, a very unfair question, which is what I asked them to imagine what, if anything, they could imagine disrupting their businesses to the extent that they wouldn't exist in another five or 10 years. And, and it's interesting. I, I mean, I just, I hope that, I hope that all of them are constantly, and, and I, and, and we all remain constantly, um, thinking of that, I think, especially in Silicon Valley, that's the other part of it is if you get lazy for three months, you're, you're, you're behind for six months, you're potentially done. Sure. Yeah. That's, that would, it could be a, a very sad way to die. But, uh, <laughs> what's, what's interesting about, uh, what the banker had to say about his, uh, you know, whether, whether banking in its current form, institutional banking in its current form might survive the next five or 10 years is, because we're in a developing economy where the gatekeepers, um, uh, where the, the big scale players, the big, the, the big uh, institutional players still play a, an unofficial gatekeeping role um, relative to the rest of the world. This is his theory that uh, at, in Silicon Valley, you can have a great idea because of the proliferation of the Internet. Your access to market is that much easier and and the potential for you to sort of access a market and and get traction without the help of a, a, a large incumbent is is all the more likely. Whereas in Africa, it isn't quite the case. In which case, you sort of need to keep the large banks and the mobile telcos and the fixed line operators really close to your breast because you probably will need to partner with them in order to to, to make your startup a success. Do you think that kind of thinking is 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 accurate? Hmm. Um. Only so the the concept of um, affordable internet or low cost data is something that really really intrigues me and something we've been spending some time looking into and it seems there's 
I don't want to say an arbitrage. I don't want to say a, a monopoly. There, there are few players who, who, um, who handle the market and to enter and, and disrupt that space as from the model that we've been looking at, it seems particularly challenging. So Is this on the um, continent or abroad? Yeah. On the continent, on the continent, on the continent. Right. So, I mean, there there are a few basic things that all startups need, and that's uh, all tech startups need, and that's access to internet, and that's and that's power, and um, and those holding those spaces, um, it, it it's it just be, simply because of inefficiencies in in the markets that exist for any other companies, but um, but there's also the um, the majority control. Um, held by big players, which make it particularly challenging for, for disruption in those spaces. So I look forward to, I'm excited about, um, those pursuing solutions in the power, in the telco, um, and as far as, as just telephony, so just connectivity, but also, um, data and, and low cost internet. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to those creating solutions in those spaces. Yeah, I mean, listening to you, I, I take it um, he there is something to to what he he had to say in the sense that um, I mean, looking locally at um, the 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 mobile telcos decision to back or their their obvious uh, preference for backing LTE over say Wi-Fi um, mm-hmm. because because of their ability to sort of monetize it using their legacy exactly. assets as opposed to mm-hmm. sort of back this unknown entity that could basically sap future revenues from them and and how difficult it is for for newer players with innovation you know innovative ideas in that space to sort of uh, get the mobile telcos on board i I can see how that could be a barrier to entry that way perhaps in the u.s less so Mm -hmm. but at the same time uh, but at the same so so those issues exist those those challenges exist but at the same time when building a business on the continent, you have total greenfield, especially if you're creating solutions in and around the healthcare space, um, you know, the education technology space. They're really, because um, they are fairly underdeveloped, you can rapidly innovate and and test in these markets. Whereas if you want to create a solution and see if it's it's, uh, useful to the general public, you just, there's so many hurdles that you have to go through, so much paperwork, so much even shift in policies in order to even move the needle a titch whereas you know um, m pharma just just came in all the you know um m pedigree all all of these rapid innovations in 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 the healthcare space that come from nowhere and can build really quickly we're taking a quick break to remind you of freshbook's pretty awesome offer to you a listener of the african tech conversations podcast they're offering a 30-day free trial to give you the opportunity to try out their service now, if you'd like to get organized, save time invoicing, and get paid faster, click through to gofreshbooks.com forward slash tech conversations and put their software to the test. So do you have a favorite space within tech? If, listening to you, it sounds like you do have some some pet, uh, some pet sectors within tech that um, uh, you're, you're, you've identified, probably having cited some of the issues we've discussed as as potential barriers or areas to sort of uh, leave alone okay. in favor uh-huh. of perhaps more fertile, more readily, you know, uh, tillable, you know, ground. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So would you, what, aside from, you've mentioned med tech, uh, you know, education, which other areas within tech on the continent are you bullish about? 
fintech, of course. You have only 25% of a con of a billion people who have access to proper banking. And uh, you have, what, six of the 10 fastest growing economies, well, as of last year, uh, the fastest growing consumer classes, and also more than 650 million mobile users. So you have this immediate way for people to transact um, digitally and and a lot of opportunity to innovate and a, and just a lot of opportunity in general. That could be a really interesting way to disrupt the the hierarchy with um, telcos and banking, um, like brick and mortar banking institutions on the continent. So I'm excited and I'm bullish about fintech. And just because of the successes thus far, you know, you're looking at uh, the 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 unicorns from the continent. Uh, look at Impesa. Look at InterSwitch. Um, you know, acquisitions Fundamo and from by Visa. Uh, so exciting stuff happening already in that space. Um, yeah, EdTech Health. Oh, yeah. So you, um, I, sorry to interrupt you. EdTech, um, how excited are you for Andela? Uh, I'm excited about, I'm always excited about uh, investment, about big name investment to the continent to encourage other people to get active. And then also um, democratizing access. That's that's huge. Um, the, I, 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 I am a adamant and firm believer in their in their tagline that that um that um brilliance is evenly distributed but uh opportunity is not i i I firmly believe in that and their ability to test for pure intellect pure um uh reasoning and and critical thinking skills as opposed to skills acquisition i think is 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 brilliant and 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 a fantastic way to democratize access and they've been having nothing but success so far so i'm excited about indela um, uh, I do aside... think that the, the irony is that the, I do think that the irony is that, of course, has become what I, I, this is a, a line I think I saw in a press release or something that apparently is becoming harder to get into Andela than it is to get into Harvard. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, is that is that to say that they're? I mean, they're not decreasing their their um, cohorts. What's happening is more and more people on the continent are finding out about. Andela, that it, it's just showing all of the demand, the the unmet demand for um, for higher education and more structured education from um, Africans at large. Yeah, I don't think it's an indictment on them in any in any way. Mm-hmm. I do think, though, it's it, it points to what you're saying. Perhaps uh, you you're absolutely right to be bullish on uh, on uh, you know taking education and, and 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 how big the market is. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have a billion people, what, 70% of whom are under the age of 35, and you have a current, I mean, I'm I'm working with, um, uh, so there's Obina Ukwani of in Enugu is starting Makers Academy, and just to see the way that people are thinking about and, um, and, and, and creating solutions for this massive demographic of of young people who are hungry for education and for or who are hungry for knowledge that they don't yet have access to right so um uh, i believe you you organize panels for a south by southwest is that right yes and um look i spoke to someone who went this year and came back raving should i go next year should i plan to go what's the importance <laughs> what would be the benefit and the importance of 
of repping Africa at a place like that for someone like you? Uh, Sell me. Yeah. It's just, I I think uh, places where there are a lot of concentration of movers and shakers, the the people who, if inspired by your your idea, can immediately act, whether that be financing you or promoting you widely or, you know, building something in your direction. Uh, I I always like to to, to, um, spend time in those spaces. And South by Southwest is a great, I mean, everyone is there. Everyone is there. And, and they're all generally, I mean, it is in, it started as a, a, a creative conference or something similar, more similar to Art Basel, but now it's, it's got its own, you know, innovation and entrepreneurship twist on things. So it's a really interesting space for people who have open minds, um, are excited about new things and are also, um, focused and pursuing the innovation and entrepreneurship space. Yeah. And, and so you, you organize a panel called why will you invest in sub-Saharan Africa? So what's the response been since then? Um, I mean, we're looking at, so even, well, to the, to that panel, people were excited. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but in general, why you will invest in sub-Saharan Africa? I mean, if you just Google, sub-Saharan Africa and look at some of the look at the news this year compared to even two years ago three years ago if you google Nigeria if you google Kenya um, the the perception in the media is even shifting and you have what Andreessen Horowitz just making their their Africa fintech investment into branch that's that's a that's a, a, a consumer loan company for focused on East Africa exclusively. And Dreesen Horowitz just invested. You have Y Combinator. You have 500 startups. You have TechStars. They just opened an office in an accelerator in South Africa. Um, all of these accepting more and more um, Africans into their cohorts. I was just on the phone with Michael Siebel. He's a partner at Y Combinator a few days ago, and he's and he's and he's we were brainstorming on ways in which he can market to and appeal to more um, Africans for their for their cohorts. Uh, people are realizing the untapped potential, the incredible opportunity. Um, I believe it was an Ernst Young um, innovation study from several years ago. It was it was talking about private equity on the con- on the continent. Thirty four point seven percent annualized ROI for the late stage private equity opportunities. There's a, so so when you enter the market and when you're when you're looking at deals, when you're pursuing deals, there's a lot of money to be made. And and people who are outside of that space have have lower perceptions or less understanding. But but when you actually enter, um, when do you actually enter the market and you realize not only is there equal opportunity, people are building the same sort of tech, catering to the same sort of markets, but also the valuations are lower simply because there's less capital to work. So you can mm. get more bang for your buck. You can make more money. Um, um, you can have bit higher equity stakes. You can have more impact and more influence as people who are creating companies on the continent in general are not just, um, of course, even if they're, if, if they're ex- exclusively focused on for-profit um, ventures, they're, they're inherently in creating impact and inherently doing good for their um, for their local market. So there's there are a lot of appeals. It's one, you can make the same amount of money, if not more. Two, it's cheaper to invest in in Africa based businesses than than elsewhere because of um, um, less competitive capital. Um, and and three, you're you're you could you could invest in the in the Twitter for cats. You could invest in in a in a in a silly solution that maybe scales globally and maybe will will be hugely monetizable, or you could invest in an Africa-based business where you're not only making money but you're changing the continent. You're literally pioneering a space, and that's sexy and that's exciting. That's appealing to to venture capitalists and and the angels that we're working with. And so, what do you which uh, 
what misconceptions do you find persist uh, despite this shift in in uh, in perception? Yeah. Um, so with the tours, <laughs> I mean, like with the last one that we did, we had um, before before some of the travelers came. I, I received emails saying, you know, are we going to have you know armed guards? Will we have bulletproof vehicles? Because you know Boko Haram is is taking over <laughs> is taking over Nigeria. <laughs> And I said, okay, well, yeah, we'll, we'll, I, I'm happy to accommodate whatever way you need and um, just come and you'll find out when you get there. And people were, oh my gosh, should I come? I just saw this article talking about Buhari and he did an interview and everything's corrupt, blah, blah. And then they come and by day two, people are taking Ubers by themselves to hang out with people they met in Lagos <laughs> in the two days that they've been there. And so it's just, it, it's, it's, it's very, um, it's very telling. We, it's just one of those things. Come. See, you have all of your per- perceptions. I promise you they, they are wrong for in wh- whatever they may be. If you've never been to the continent, come. See it once. You like it. You stay. You, you engage with business. You don't. You go. And that's, it's one thing to say. Everyone, every single one of the people from our last tour who, who came, who saw opportunities, have either invested, started businesses, or started partnerships with people that they met in Nigeria. And that's, 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 that in and of itself is telling, um, as, as, as far as the other, uh, I, I, I'm not even going to get into all of the ridiculousness. You know, what's just so interesting is, is Nigeria had with this Buhari election, it was totally peaceful. It was a totally fair, mm-hmm. um, you know, transition of power. Guess who didn't cover it? I never saw, you know, I don't even think people in San Francisco even knew about that unless, unless they're researching, um, politics in West Africa, that was not even covered. So it's, it's, it's something I wish, I wish that, that West African, um, politics and governments would, would spend a little bit money, more money on PR and, and good PR internationally. Cause it seems that people, um, I mean, no money is going into telling the right story. You, we, I, I, I don't, I, there's a lot of good things happening. I, I'm not the one hearing about them. So, um, I mean, from, if, if I were you, to only be looking in the news, so, um, so I, I, I just wish you can't that, tr- trust, um, commercial news, uh, well, oh. commercial news interests to, to, to sell a story that's not going to help ratings. Exactly. Exactly. Just the, if it, yeah, the, the ridiculousness that's covered yet Boko Haram is, is, is a problem. It's a problem in an isolated part of Nigeria. That's like saying, don't go to San Francisco because Detroit don't go to San or Francisco Orlando. because <laughs> exactly because Orlando and, and, and the, yeah, that, that, and especially those are the type of, um, investors we're not really appealing to the ones who are more, um, worldly in their perspective, com- uh, you know, already initiating these conversations independently. Those are the ones that we, that we are talking to. So typic- how would, uh, how, that's my next question. Uh, great segue into how does someone get uh, a spot on that tour? How does, um, someone interested in, in the people you are rounding up to bring over, um, make sure that you, you swing around there, <laughs> swing around their neighborhood, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how do we get people excited and engaged and how do we select who is invited and who is not? <laughs> yes. Um, and where you decide to go, for example, I haven't heard much and about where South do we Africa. decide to go. Um, and granted, give it uh, granted relative to other parts of the continent. There's a lot more going on in South Africa, a lot more hype, um, you know, that, that might, you know, might a lot, get you going a, a elsewhere, but like, how do yeah. you decide where to go? Okay. Yeah. We're, I mean, we're avoid, we're, no, we're not avoid. That was a strong word. We are, um, we have not yet 
um, pursued South Africa because we are strengthening the tours in what what um, what in, what Ingressive has perceived as the two largest technology and startup ecosystems, and that's by oh! measure of. Oh, you're gonna get a lot of people going. What she say? <laughs> okay, okay, okay. And is that no, Nigeria? Are... Is that Nigeria and Kenya? Is that what you mean? Uh, yeah. And by, okay. Okay. So there is South Africa. So we, so not this coming tour, but the one after that will be, will be based in, oh, we'll, we'll start in Cape town. So just to, you know, appease all of those, all of those, um, no, people Southern aren't actually African that people. touchy, to be honest. I'm just, I'm just, okay, I'm just, so but if I'm you're looking at things you. like where's the foreign direct investment going into in the continent? Where have the yeah. where have the where have the largest tech companies originated? Where are they from? Where's Jumia, the biggest Konga, games, I think. Interswitch, the biggest gains, uh, big, Iroko the TV. biggest bang for money, uh, bang for buck. You know, per, per dollar put in exactly, exactly, and it's and and, and it's cheap, it's still cheaper to invest in 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 Nigeria and Kenya than South Africa. If you're Absolutely. looking at FX, if you're looking at foreign exchange, if you're even looking at um, the capital in the local in the local markets. Absolutely. So those are a couple of reasons. That's what we will look for, and we also look for places where tech companies have already established. So we know that there's just somebody else, and there are other institutions promoting that free flow of information. Um, where where does Google operate on the continent? Where does Facebook have have an office? Where's IBM? Where's Microsoft, and um, and that's why we're looking also also why we're looking at Lagos and um, and and Nairobi, and so right. and and to that that answer part of the question. The other part, um, yeah. who are we inviting and why are we inviting them? We're inviting successful technology founders who have built and scaled their own companies before, so that they can come and serve as mentors and advisors, so that they can come work with other investors, teaching them you know service venture partners with 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 local with local investors, and um and they can come with with checks in hand ready to invest. This is not a travel and exploration safari blah blah blah. This is people coming because they want they have capital that they want to diversify into sub-Saharan markets, and they're looking to mentor advise. And invest in African entrepreneurs. Right, right. Look, it's it's pretty much downhill from here. I think we've spoken about a lot of useful things. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm I'm just curious. Uh, uh, given y- you have an experience that I will never experience, no matter how hard I try or where I go or w- what I try and change about myself, uh, I'll never be a woman. W- when was the <laughs> last When was the last time you were so uh, your being a woman was so painfully part of? either a negative or a positive experience. It has to be painfully. Um, I, my being a woman is here every day. Um, <laughs> no, what I mean is uh, I'm not talking yeah, about yeah, your yeah. being a woman. In I'm business. talking about yeah. a, a, a sort of um, environmental issue that sort of made it painfully obvious that you are a woman for what it, for, yes. for either positive, for either okay. good or bad. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, so of, um, of course, I mean, who, I, I don't really know a lot of other women in the international finance space of the, of the, of the early stage VC focus on Africa space. I know a couple, I, I know a few other ones. Um, I don't know a lot. So already there's a, the minority factor there. And then also I'm young, uh, I'm younger, um, in re- with respect to, you know, the age range going from 60 to, to 25, um, and and so there are there there initially was um there there were there initially were, were problems with that you know being dismissed simply or or having to bring you know hiring a male to just sit in the room and pretend like he was the boss and I was doing all the talking no way and that, seriously and then, yeah I mean you have to deal with biases you have to deal with um 
if I want to get the deal done, there are certain things that I'm like in coming this far. Now, the one thing is what, what I've seriously learned is what I have two solutions. Um, and then I'll go back to that, but my one solution in, in any sort of stress and, and drama around being a female in business or being a, a young person in business is one, always only work through warm introductions. Always make sure you're, you're only meeting with and dealing with people who have been referred or who you've been to referred to by legit people. Like, um, one of my mentors is, um, the, the, the head of Deutsche Bank or the head of Africa for Deutsche Bank, Adiola Aziz. And she has been a phenomenal supporter and, a, and, and, and tremendous and, and just open. She was, so, she has been so helpful from the very beginning in, in referrals in in just, uh, kind of being the point person, um, for, for the company in, in, West Africa and Nigeria. Um, so just so working through recommendations only. And the, and the second one is, um, let the numbers speak for themselves. Let, you know, now we have people who have come to the continent. We have people who have come to Nigeria. We have, we have investments that ingressive has, has facilitated is responsible for has syndicated into the market. And so now if you don't want to work with us, then it's, it's not that we're not doing something right. It's that, it's that you have your own biases. And if you have your own biases, you probably are missing other deals too. And I probably don't want to work with you anyway. So, um, so, so, <laughs> um, so yeah, those, there are, there, there, are things now that that I w- will not put up with because we don't have to because there are enough people who who can just look at numbers and say hey that's a good deal. Um, the rest of them, meh, they'll probably get weeded out anyway. But in the beginning, yeah, um, there are only so many battles that you can pick. There are only so many fights that I want to pick. Do I want to pick the battle of being the the first woman in my space and having everyone know that 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 my face is, is the, you know, the head of the company and that I'm doing all the work, or do I want to promote the mission? There's a big mission that we're building and that's to redirect capital to sub-Saharan Africa. And, and those are two, I could do them both at the same time, but then my life would be all the more challenging. Why don't I just focus on one and get there however I can. And then when I'm, you know, at the end saying, Hey, you know, we did it this whole time. So that's, these, these are, these are challenges that I'm, that I'm, considering facing with dealing with. Um, but yes, I did. <laughs> I did funny story. I did, um, I did, um, bring a male into some of my, you know, meeting, if you're meeting with, you know, 60 year old, um, Nigerian men at the, at, at different banks when we were creating our initial partnerships. I mean, for me to walk, walk in with an American ac- accent as a young person, um, it just creates all the more credibility to have, um, at least initially, like pre-traction to have somebody with a, a few gray hairs and a more familiar face. And right, so, right. and so, yeah, you just, I mean, figure it out. Um, but, but no, I would, I would say no, now it's, it's not a problem. Um, of course you, everyone has their own assets and their own resources and their own, um, ways of getting, you know, ways of, of, of navigating the world and everything can be, can be, um, can have a positive twist. Um, before so where I was they- like, Oh, why, why am I not 60 and male? You know, I'm never <laughs> going to be that. So I have, I have, um, resources that, and, a, and, a, and a distinct, um, I have a, a, a distinct, uh, position in the market that, that 60 year old men don't. And so, and a um, worldview and a worldview. And a worldview. Exactly. Exactly. And so it's, it's, it's really become an advantage. This, this being on both coasts and, and being exactly who I am is now becoming an advantage. 
<laughs> have you ever? Do, are there certain uh, recurring questions or uh, yeah uh, questions that occur simply because you're a woman in this position? Yeah, like, like even um, even from the I, point of view of say uh, someone like me uh, interviewing you for a a podcast or and asking audience, me what about being a and woman? Asking you, <laughs> Yeah, is that is that a common question? Is that yeah? Is that everyone an annoyingly wants to hear the question? juicy, the juicy bad stories of some something that happened, and oh, has it? You know, I I can't. I'm I'm getting that in, in interviews. I get that a lot. So what? So what? How? What's a? Tell me a situation where blah blah blah. No, what? My life is how just have like they broken else. you? But what? How have they broken your spirit? <laughs> Um, but no, in, in general, I mean, something funny that now I just, I just laugh at it really bothered me before, but I'll go, I'm speaking on panels. I'm speaking, you know, I, I'm traveling. I was just at Afrobytes in Paris. I was just at the Chatham House London conference in London. I was just, you know, Art Basel in Switzerland, you know, and then just last week at GES Global Entrepreneurship Summit here in Silicon Valley. And, um, and something, if I'm, if I speak on a panel and then I come down, um, and I don't really do a lot of, um, you know, specifically, you know, this is Maya on behalf of aggressive if i let it kind of just generally be there people will come up to me or even if i do address myself as the founder of aggressive people will come up and say oh how long have you been at that company oh do you work with the founder oh oh like what what is your role like who are you do you and i've even gotten oh you might are you the secretary could you could we could we schedule i'm like oh yeah 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 or or, do you know the founder yeah i I, I know the founder pretty well i know i yeah i know who the founder is (laughs) and i mean now it's just funny now it's just it's just biases and you have to work that work around them and i I mean Whatever. That is awful. That is absolutely awful. Yeah, Look, I mean, yeah, it's annoying, but you know, whatever. I mean, and the thing is, um, I suppose, uh, you know, everyone has a, a good moan once in a while about being about being a person of color and that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, what impresses me, and really, my questions come from a point of, of not that I ex- expect any less of, of of women or anything, but just just how much uh, how much more um, how much harder it is. For, for for a woman and a woman of color to sort of just you know how much harder you probably have to work at at coming across just as sort of uh, you know as calm and as relaxed as some dude might you know without even thinking you know hmm. well so how much um, I, I don't know like it it, it it kind of it feels look i mean i speak from the from the point of view of someone whose whose mother did her first degree in her 50s for example and mm-hmm, i remember mm-hmm her asking me at the time my father was finishing his phd and she asking me at her graduation do you you think i could do what daddy did you know with his phd and i was in the third grade at the time and i thought uh, uh, i was in grade school at the time and i thought no i just seen my dad struggle through his phd and i never thought that would was something i wanted for my mother to go through and at the time i said no and and i reminded her about that when she graduated with her phd many years later you know i said mom like how clueless was i to even think i could make a uh, <laughs> i could even yeah, tell and, you what's and, possible and also and what isn't. you didn't and and you just you just you just define the difference it wasn't that yeah. you thought your mom wasn't competent enough to be able to yes. complete it you just wanted to protect her and that's that's a different her, and, and that's like, and that's yeah. that in an, that itself is something thankfully fortunately i am blessed on both sides with parents i mean one they kind of just gave up trying to direct me from age 12 because I kind of have been doing what I want <laughs> from a, a pretty young age. Um, <laughs> my dad would be rolling his eyes right now. Um, but I tried. Um, I tried to make her a doctor. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. But, no. 
No, my siblings yeah. are taking that over. It's okay. It's okay. My sister's going okay. into medicine, and my sister, my other sister. No, and you're doing physics, great. You don't so. even have to sort of say you're not you're not a sloppy seconds by any chance. <laughs> I'm sure they're really proud of you. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. The only thing is now, yeah, yeah. That, so, so what your masters is what you were going with? like. Is it, <laughs> Because that my 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 dad is just he's just praying for me to, to finish my master's. yes yes, oh, yes that'd be nice that'd be nice and then my PhD and then of course a second maybe uh huh uh huh yeah uh, there African I mean folks, I've yeah. I've fortunately had parents who wholly wholly support me in all that I'm doing and never even from the beginning there was no you do this you're a girl you do this you're a boy it's it's pursue whatever you want you know I mean as long as it's gonna make money and 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 help people and, 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 you know, promote the, the, it's, there are values under what you're, what business you're creating I was never, you know, reprimanded for going in a different direction. The only thing that they, um, that they, that, that they would ever look down upon is if I was doing something simply, um, that either hurt the environment or hurt other people or, or, um, or wasn't with consideration of, of the values that they instilled in me. So they've been totally, they've been 100% supportive of everything. And that I think is a, is a, is a, is it, I have a lot to cred them for in my ability to get so far. Yeah. I don't see the, the, the creation of nuclear warheads in your, in your future anytime. Soon. <laughs> they, should all, they should be quite happy. You never know. For, you never know. I, know. <laughs> I don't imagine you're going that direction. Okay. So, uh, we're, 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 we're winding down now. Um, a popular song of 2016 2015 or 2015 that no further back that adequately describes the world you currently inhabit your life in general that would pretty much sum that all up what does your life look like um play the track and i'll get a pretty picture what song would that be why did we always have to do music can i just sing like give you a poem or (laughs) Are you are you um, so di- are you so disposed? Are you into like performance poetry and that kind of thing, or you know or what? What are you, um, what are you into? Adonai, Hallelujah. Um, I love that song. I love that song. <laughs> so you enjoy um, worship music? Do you enjoy worship music? Um, I I I appreciate creativity in all of the forms it is realized, particularly when it is done well very 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 well and that song's done well so yeah right now who's I'd the say, artist again um good question well look we'll, we'll find it don't worry a sarcodier oh okay shout yeah, out shout yeah. out i i shout heard um, West so i was at the the harvard africa business conference and um and seeing some of those performers in the flesh was very exciting was very um yes yeah so i'd say that that's that set a good and, theme a good starter to my 2016 so what is it about that song that describes that adequately describes you know the world you inhabit right now is it you, is it the creativity like you've mentioned is it what yeah, is it yeah it's the it... creativity it's the it's the um transferability it's the i mean people from anywhere can appreciate can see that opportunity or can see that track and be like wow that's a that's a well made that's a well made song and also just the appreciation and the devotion um, my, my, I, I don't want to say my family is extremely religious, but my family is, is, is spiritual and, and value driven. And it's always, I always appreciate hearing, um, hearing some of those values reflected in the music. 
that I listen to. Fantastic. So uh, what are you listening to? What's on your... Do people still have iPods? <laughs> what are you streaming? <laughs> what are you streaming? What are you... What's... Of course, you know, the Lemonade video. I, I, I had to oh. get, on in get on title for that. Um, okay. But in general, what I'm listening to... So you're one, to, of, the, you know you're one I, of the people who fell for that um, very well-orchestrated... You know, um, uh, 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 well, I have to have a slow clap to them for getting everyone on title just for that. Um, yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. And, and Kanye's new album. I'm also listening to... I have WizKid. Um, oh. um, as my as my recently played tracks, I have Ruby uh, from. Do you know she's from Nigeria? Uh, I have uh, Ruby. I don't, I'm not familiar with Ruby. I know to me and Wizkid as the last three. To me yeah, as in Ruby's... as in to me of the formerly of the volume, the South yeah, African yeah, yeah. rapper. South African. Mm -hmm. Ah, have you heard him? Uh, have you heard him in a in a slam poetry setup? Nah, but I will be Googling that he, as soon as we get he off. He is wicked. He is wicked. Like if you get a chance to go see him live because he's, he's, he's an anthropologist and you've got some vasties that actually study his work. <laughs> he, he's, wow. he's phenomenal. Mm -hmm. I've, I've seen him yeah, he mentioned like in, as a slam poet. I've seen him, I've seen him perform with, his ba with a band and obviously as an MC and that kind of thing, but he's quite something as, as a poet, as a slam poet and that kind of thing. If, you get, if he's out your way, you need to go see him. Okay. Okay. Yes. All right. Okay. I'll, I'll leave that. So a tip for nothing. Thank a tip you. for nothing. Uh -huh. A tip for nothing. Thank and so finally, uh, a question I didn't ask you that you wish I had. Hmm. What do I do for creative expression? What do I do in my in my side time? What are some of my favorite activities? Well, I could tell you that you you're a dancer, and I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's that's the start of it. That's the start. I will of it. humor you. I will humor you. So, so what is it you do, Maya, in your spare time? Um, <laughs> you know, as extra extracurricular activities. Yes. Um, in the U.S., I like to ride my motorcycle. Um, I'm hoping to get you ride into bikes? racing. Yes, I ride bikes. Um, I have a CBR 250. Um, it's a little one. It's my starter bike, but uh, I'm I'm starting to explore some of the later stage and racer series. Um, I like to Whoa. I like to travel. I'm big on just getting a ticket, jumping, you know, for a conference, for an, an event, for a meeting, for anything, for just an exploration. I really like traveling going new places um i dance i've been dancing for 15 years and i'm as soon as i get back from my three months in lagos for my three months in san francisco i'll be teaching here in san francisco hip-hop class um so so hit me up for details on that if you want to come and learn um wow and um i'm 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 a fan of karaoke <laughs> really now, I, now I'm a fan of singing. I don't know. Uh, when it's done I mean, well and I get yeah. to choose the tracks and I know everyone in the room, um, then but I'm Karen a fan of never done Otherwise, well. Yeah. Okay. So I, I enjoy playing music <laughs> at my house with my friends and one person is singing out loud. <laughs> oh, I see. I see. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's a word for what, everything you've just described. Eclectic. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. definitely. I mean... Yeah, that's that, a lot of the, the things in the list you just um, are quite un unexpected, you know, which is mm -hmm. great. Your parents must hate that you love bikes. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, my dad. So I was like, Dad, I'm, I'm thinking of getting a, a motorcycle next time I come to Nigeria. And he's like, don't even know. <laughs> Bye. <yeah. laughs> don't even think about just, it. 
Yeah, telling me. Yeah, he gave. He's like, I'll, I, I give you half a day. I give you half a day. <laughs> and I was like, No, and but what if I just wore really bright uh, gear? He's like, Maya, people would literally pick you out, <laughs> run you down. Yeah. So, um, like, get unfortunately, her. my yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, my dad will not will will not let me import a motorcycle to Nigeria, despite the fact that it would save us a lot of time in traffic. Um, but. But yeah, I'm sticking to the states for that one. <laughs> and what's your go-to karaoke song? Hmm. Um, elusive. Was, I was supposed to stop these questions, but I think you opened the door here. <laughs> <laughs> elusive by Leon Le Havis. Elusive by Leon yeah. Le Havis. I'm gonna look out yeah. for that. Is that a, do a, it? Is that a, a Spanish a Spanish artist or? No, she's very much brown and American looking. American, maybe, maybe, but she's brown. Um, I think she's like African American mixed of some sort. Okay, okay, fantastic. Well, I'm gonna elusive. I'm gonna check. Leon Le Havas. Yeah, do it. Cool. I look yeah. forward to the positive reviews. Uh, <laughs> well, oh there. Oh, a very fancy name. It's oh, a very you know. Okay. <laughs> and I just found no, because there, there's a screenshot of the video, and she's got like this um, Egyptian-inspired makeup on her face. So I'm like, okay. Yeah, I think she just wears a lot of eyeliner. Um, to be honest, I don't think it's an Egyptian-inspired. I think she just is heavy on the eyeliner, but looks good. She's she's cute. So, okay. yeah, well, okay. I'm gonna give her a listen, but okay. otherwise, I have to thank you so much for your time and uh, for um, sharing it with me and all the listeners of our show. Um, yeah, all the best with all the work you do. Here's to hoping um, you're in our neck of the woods sooner than, rather than later. And um, Cape Town doesn't count as far as us Joe Burgers are concerned. I would expect you to travel <laughs> up north before we before we count <laughs> before we count it as a visit to the nation. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. You know, I, um, I had I had a very wonderful New Year's in in Cape Town two New Year's ago and I spent a lot of time at Caprice and oh, um, did you? and I and I met a lot of very wonderful people so, um, <laughs> so I I'll, studied, I'll I studied in Cape Town so I, I, it does have a warm place in my heart but um, I'm, I'm definitely a Joe Burger I, I think I think the vibe once you you become a Joe Burger uh, mm -hmm. it's kind of like how New York is. <laughs> no, it is. I mean, it's, it's like, okay. it's like, don't mess with New Yorkers. You know what I mean? That kind of, vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's, that, it's, okay, it's a similar okay. vibe. And that's saying a lot given I'm Zimbabwean and, and don't get uh -huh. it twisted. I, I love my country. So, <laughs> okay. but Joburg okay. Is, okay. Is, is something else. So we, we look forward to having you visit sometime. Absolutely. Absolutely. I look forward to it and I'll be there for the GEC coming in March of 2016. So, um, I'll see you. Uh, you mean twenty seven? You, you mean March twenty seventeen? Or two thousand seventeen? March twenty twenty seventeen? Yes. Excuse yes, then me. You'd have to go back in time, and that would be <laughs> yeah. awkward. That'd be complicated. Have to do it with the tech I don't first. know. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Thank you so all much right. for this chat. Yes, thank you. Thank you for listening to African Tech Conversation.